count. Nelson's on the board. Let's see. Everybody get that calendar. Phenomenal. You guys 
uh, asked for it uh, for us to come back in July. And uh, we've got some questions for you guys on tomorrow. So you do not want to miss Marriage Tips Monday on Facebook Live. Tune in. Uh, some great information, great wisdom. And Pastor Lisa is sharing some good nuggets and some great things. So we're excited about it. Amen? All right. Before we move forward, um, God has graced us to be able to encounter a lot of different people in our journey of ministry. And we have been in ministry uh, 21 years, pastoring for 16 years. And we started in our living room, 103rd and Wallace, uh, with prayer, meeting on a Saturday afternoon. And from that time, we started prayer, and then we added Sunday, and we would meet in our living room, move our chairs in the dining room as more people began to come. And then we moved from there to the AFC, 79th National, where Apostle John Eckhart has his services at there. A lot of people were there. We stayed there for about two or three months, and God graced us, and we moved into a storefront in Chicago, 9118 South Ashton, right next door to the television shop in Chicago, Illinois. Um, that was our place for six years. And we came into that place and God graced us. And we did ministry as God led us to do it. And at the time when we first started, Pastor Benicia, she's our psalmist, and she was singing. And we would just sing to cassette tapes. We didn't even see these yet. We had cassette tapes. And we would play some cassette tapes to the music. And she would sing along with the praise and worship. And, and we, I would help her and assist her. And you know, that was our praise and worship. That's what we did. In order to get by for that time frame that we were in. But on that journey, um, God led a young lady to our ministry during that time when we were in our storefront ministry. And her and her husband came and she played the keyboard and she was given an anointed. And her husband played the drums and so we went and got a little $250 drum set. That's all we could afford. We got that drum set. I think back then it was Circuit City around. We bought a keyboard for about two hundred something dollars. Sam's Club. He was on the cover. And God was blessed, and she came in and she began to play for us. And, and I'm telling you, we built a relationship, and we poured into them, and they poured into us. And and now today they surprised me and they're here all the way from Texas. And I'm gonna ask that they would come up and I want them to come up and just bring the whole family up here. I know they can look. I told them, I said, y'all, they got real church kids because they were so quiet back then when I went to greet them. I said, they in church every Sunday, I know. And they sit in the service because you don't even hear them. They ain't got no devices out. They sit there. That's how they were trained. That's how they were brought up. And those children in church and know how to sit still, not complain, not fidgeting. I love it. So I would ask that they just became, just got ordained this week. And I'm telling you, these are some of my first babies in ministry. And just to see them grow and how God has blessed them. I want you guys to welcome Prophet Nehemiah Mills and Psalmist Cassandra Mills and their family. All the way from Texas. 
here in Illinois, in Chicago. That's the first of the five. They are a blessed family. And uh, I just want them to greet you guys with whatever's on their heart. They may have to leave early. I do not want to miss the opportunity to have them to share and just come. They, they made a journey and made a trip. They said every time we come, they miss us and we miss the ordination. And I'm just glad they showed up. I'm telling you, they surprised me. You guys, just say what you want to say, man. It's good. Amen. We're yeah. sorry, dude. Hey, yes, God. Thank you. Hey, yes, God. Hey, yes, Lord. Hey, that's Lord. We honor the name of the Lord. But the name of the Lord is a strong tower. For the righteous running there safe. We thank God for his presence being in this house. We bless the name of the Lord for this man of God and this woman of God. Amen. Um, I think it's Pastor Glenn. Amen. Pastor Debbie, amen. Wow, I'm just so in awe at what God has done and is doing, and yet it was going to continue to, to continue to do for this ministry. Amen. I said to my wife and we said to one another, we cannot leave out of Illinois without visiting. Amen. This man of God. And we've just been blessed. Ever since we came on the property and was greeted by this, uh, the, uh, the security officers and and all of the hospitality people, we just love you guys. And thank you so much for just receiving us on today. Amen. We thank God. Amen. For each and every one of you. Amen. So we believe the best is yet to come. Amen. For this ministry. Amen. Eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard. You know what the Lord has in store for this ministry. Amen. Look out, New Covenant. Amen. He's, a, he's going to extend the tent. Hallelujah. Amen. My God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Woo, yes, God. Thank you. saying that you need to reserve your strength so that you can contend for the horsemen. Amen. You've been contending with the footsmen. Amen. But the footsmen's going to wear you out. Amen. But there's another enemy that's coming that's going to be on an elevator. Amen. And, um, this horseman is going to consider to be another devil. Amen. And you need to reserve your strength for the horsemen. Hallelujah. Don't don't reserve, don't kick, don't continue to use and exert your energy for the small, minute things, for the petty things. Hallelujah. Because that's the strategy of the enemy to wear you out. Amen. But you need to reserve your energy. Amen. Because there's another enemy coming that you're not prepared to deal with. If your energy has been wasted up. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Amen. So continue to be blessed, people of God. I'm going to just ask my wife, amen, to greet you in the name of the Lord. And, amen. And just come in her own way.
Thank you for receiving us again. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel the touch of shift in this atmosphere. If you don't feel that, come on, ask your name. Do you feel that? My God, come on, do you feel that? Oh, that's the presence of the Lord. He came to wash away your tears today. He came to deliver today. Come on, there's a word in the house. There's a blessing in the room. Hallelujah. Come on, you better clap your hands.
Many of us have experienced rejection in some shape, form, or fashion 
in some time or another in our life. Um, not just as it relates to relationships on a love basis, um, but in general experiences through our walk in life. You're going to experience some type, some type of rejection. And what we want to do today is we want to establish um, what rejection looks like, but then also we want to give you some strategy and some understanding to overcome it. We don't want to continue to deal with something and we don't have the equipment to know how to fight against it. Um, we want to be victorious in every area of life. We want to win in every area of life. And rejection plagues a lot of people where they become stagnant. They have uh, many bad relationships, not just in their personal relationships, their relationships on their job, their relationship with their family members, yeah. relationship with people in general. You can't even go to the grocery store without having issues. But I want to start this uh, series off today in Overcoming Rejection. I want to start this particular message off today uh, with a song by William Murphy. And I want you to hear the words to the song. Um, it's an old song, but it's really, he's talking, it's a testimony. Come on, bring the volume up and let me hear The Lord gave me this song a few years ago. Some of us have experienced rejection from birth. I was 15 years old when I was born. My father, the bishop, who just ministered so powerfully. Give him a little more violence. 17 years old when I was born. You know what they call me, don't you? They call me a mistake. Come on, talk to me, church. Don't get sanctified on me now. They, they said I was a mistake. They said I was illegitimate. They said that I was the result of their sin. But how do you know that God has the power to take your mess? Do I have any witnesses in here that God will take your stuff and make it a blessing to the nations? I should really not 
Listen, I want to encourage you today because somebody's been fighting that spirit since birth. Do you know why you're here? You have a purpose in life. You're not the result of Bebe and, and Joe's sin as, as he began to share his testimony. A lot of us have carried that baggage. A lot of us have carried those, those issues throughout childhood, into adulthood, into our marriages, into our relationships, into our workplace. Where we felt as though we were insignificant based on how we got here. Based on how we were treated as a child because somebody maybe didn't want to be pregnant and they still had to go through with it and still have the child and they were having thoughts of abortion but they never went through with it and you were born in that particular environment of where somebody constantly was telling you that I don't like you and I wish I never had you, I wish you weren't here. And so you have to be able to fight through that particular assignment of the enemy that wants to destroy purpose in your life. Yes. And see what happens is that the enemy tries to put, in your, put upon us the guilt of someone else's pain. We can't allow someone else's mistake to dictate how we're going to live. We can't allow what someone else's choice and decision concerning our life affect us of how we grow, how we mature, how we live. And so the enemy tries to constantly bring upon this spirit of rejection. And today, I, I found an awesome and amazing article. We're going to identify some things if you're dealing with a spirit of rejection. See, that's another thing when you just deal with rejection. Then there's a spirit of rejection that comes with demonic influences. That keeps us in a place where we're constantly defeated in that area. And we're constantly walking rejection in our relationships with other people who've not harmed us. But we're still in a place of hurt and rejection of who harmed us from the past and we deal with present relationships based on past experiences. Amen. Come on now. Because we never heal and we never find the opportunity within ourselves to change our mindset to know who we are in Christ. That's why the song said, I know what I've been created for. See, the only reason, the only way we're going to overcome rejection is that we know who we are in Christ. See, I don't care what they labeled you as. See, everybody has a label that identifies them as something. Come on. Yeah. Come on now. A Coca-Cola label is not a Pepsi label. Well. There is a distinct difference in the name and the color and the label that is on that particular bottle. You know a Pepsi or a Coke all day long. Yeah. Now listen, if you remove the label and you take a drink and they look the same color, you can distinguish the taste. Because this is not what I'm used to Pepsi tasting like. Because I familiarize myself with that particular taste because that's something that I've been around and I know what I like. So even if you taste it without the label, you reject it because you say, I'm a Coke drinker. Pepsi's not what I drink. I'm a Coke drinker. So you cannot limit yourself to the labels. That people will place on you. What the enemy will tell you. That's contrary to the word of God. God says we have been fearfully and wondrously made. So in order for me to get to that place to overcome rejection in the area. I have to receive what the word says concerning me. See, this is why we have a battle in this area and any other area of our life is because we don't believe what the word says concerning us. 
have to believe what the word says concerning you. Yeah. That you are awesome. You are fearfully and wondrously made. That you are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. If God has called you that, he's spoken that over your life, that's what I'm going to walk in. That's what I'm going to represent. So rejection has no glory or no power over me. So I have to learn from my rejection as an opportunity for me to grow. Y'all not hearing me. If I had not been rejected in certain jobs that I thought I wanted, but they weren't a part of God's plan. See, what we want is not necessarily what God has planned for us. You may have been saying to yourself, I want to travel abroad, and I want to be this, and I want to be that, and I want to do all these various things. I want to be a state trooper. Oh, I was ready. I done went to school for criminal justice. I done fought for six years to get this degree. I done passed the test. They done invited me down to come on into training in Springfield. I got to live there for six months, but back that thing up. Hold up. I got a newborn baby at home, and she's pregnant again. This ain't going to work. How we going to work this? Do I choose family or do I choose career? Do I choose family or do I choose career? Oh, I'm young. I'm, I'm, I'm young. I'm 22, 23 years old. So I have the time to make a decision to choose career over family, but is this going to be the plan that God chose for me? Because if I accept the assignment of state trooper, I leave for six months, I can drive back home every weekend to see my family, but if I receive the assignment of state trooper, I can be planted any place in Illinois. Now I can over my family, and then as a state trooper, you work in every kind of shift, because there's a 24-hour shift. You can't just pick a shift and this is what you're going to be on. There's rotation. You've got to pay your dues before you get established. So how are you going to do ministry? How are you going to serve? How are you going to be in a position where God wants to take you if I accept that particular position? I have to reject that. I can't receive that. I can't do it. It hurt. Because this is what I wanted. What I wanted. Listen to me. What I wanted. What I wanted. What I wanted. But see, I had to get in God's plan. And God will close the door and he'll begin to say, listen, I need you to go another route. There's another avenue that you're going to have to take. So let's identify some key areas so we can understand and ask ourselves and find out. Because some of us, I need you to know that this thing that you're dealing with is greater than just you being rejected from a job, rejected at this opportunity to get to the next level. But there's a, a, a demonic influence behind this thing that's really influencing you to operate in rejection. So let's hear these points. Brother Isaiah, you want to bring that article up? First of all, bring the article up, and I'm going to give you the definition of the word reject. The 10 indicators of the spirit of rejection. That's the article I want you to bring up, Brother Isaiah. He got it. He got it. All right. You're doing good. Let me give you a definition of the word reject. It says to refuse to accept, consider, submit to, take for some purpose or use. Reject. Another definition to refuse to hear, receive, or admit. So to refuse to accept, you reject something. You refuse to accept something to be considered or to submit to. So rejection comes in a sense where you feel as though 
I haven't been accepted. How many people have wanted acceptance from a group of people? Yes. That you did whatever it took to get their acceptance, but you still weren't satisfied. Yes. Because you never dealt with the root of your issue. You were seeking validation from people when you were actually dealing with the spirit of rejection. And when they accepted you, you still weren't satisfied because you weren't dealing with the root of the cause was. Just because they accept you, you still feel rejected because once they accept you, now you want another group to accept you. So you're around, you're, you're around searching for people to validate who you are, to accept you for who you are, and you're looking for acceptance in so many various areas, and now when you're not accepted, and then now this disappointment, this place of depression, this place of heaviness has an open door to come in, and we find ourselves struggling. Oh, this is not a shout message. We're going to teach this thing. Because I want you to get revelation, because I want us to grow in God. I can't hoop you every week. I want you to have the ability because I want you to be whole in every area of your life. If you don't gain this and understand it in this area, the enemy will constantly use this against you to keep you in a defeated place where you won't grow beyond the rejection and learn how to turn that thing in your favor. So let's listen to some of these points because I want to point them out to you today. If you look at your monitors, the list is on the screen. This is an article, 10 Indicators of, the, of a Spirit of Rejection is Tormenting You by Phyllis Tarbox. I'm just going to read straight from the article. You can follow along. A spirit of rejection victimizes its prey by causing them to feel worthless and unwanted. It employs a spirit of self-pity as its right-hand man to drive people away and allow abandonment and isolation to move in. A spirit of rejection talks with one failure after another and hopes you will say, I give up. Don't give up. Do you have a spirit of rejection at work in your life? Everyone experiences rejection at some time, but there are 10 potential indicators of a demonic spirit at work. Let me give you these real quick. Number one, you find yourself comparing your circumstances or situations with others and you never seem to measure up. You feel like you've missed out on life's opportunities and now it's too late. No amount of encouragement is enough to convince you of your worth. You feel rejected if you are not greeted or acknowledged by leadership. You constantly seek the approval of others and suffer from people pleasing. I'm going to give you Bible today too, so don't worry. Number six, you are easily offended or embarrassed from discipline or correction. You are always trying to prove yourself in public. Don't worry, I'm going to email this list to everybody that's a part of the ministry. So you can meditate on it and you can begin to examine it. Amen? Oh, I don't get too many amens in here because some of you are saying, ouch, in the inside of <laughs> You are always trying to prove yourself in public. You feel like you are, the out, you are on the outside looking in during interactions with people. You think you can do a better job than the current leader or teacher if you are given the opportunity. I didn't write this article. I'm just telling you what the man said, the woman said, and I'm reading. It's just right there. You believe no one understands you or what you are going through. If you recognize these signs, don't throw in the towel. Conviction that leads to confession, repentance and deliverance from the spirit leads to the freedom not defeat. 
If you don't acknowledge I'm dealing with the spirit of rejection, you will never get free of it. See, you're camouflaging it through these particular attributes. I'm trying to please people. I'm seeking attention for people. I'm trying to always do it my way. I want to have it. It says you feel rejected when you're not greeted by leadership. You're constantly seeking to prove of others. You are easily offended or embarrassed from discipline or correction. You are always trying to prove yourself in public. I'm the man. I'm the one that's got the power. You look at be glorified and in public. But until it says conviction that leads to confession, repentance, and deliverance from the spirit leads to the freedom not defeat. It says God has answered the cry of your heart by shedding light on the lies you believe that have sabotaged your destiny and your identity. What? If you recognize these symptoms, what can you do? Until you are ready to go through deliverance from the spiritual torment of rejection, here's a few steps you can take today. So he's giving you a few steps. And you're not really ready for deliverance, but here's some stuff you need to get started to get you on your way to deliverance. See, because people hold on to rejection in order to be a crutch to get issue to the way their attitude is nasty and the way they treat people. They want to hold on to it as a way to validate. You don't understand me. You don't know what I mean. You don't know what I've been through. Oh, no, 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 no. Foolishness. Get delivered and grow up. If we teach in this, and if you're not going to apply it, that's on you. Because if you came in here ignorant of this particular spirit today, oh, you're going to leave out well knowledgeable and with a better understanding of how I need to get my life in order. I'm telling you, man. Listen. Instruct the people, Apostle. Oh. It's going to get gooder and gooder. I see what He said, pray for the revelation of God's love to show who you are to him. There is nothing that you can do to earn his love. If you are a parent, you know that when you're first, when you first held your child, you didn't give the child a laundry list of expectations in order to earn the, your love. The minute that baby was born, you were in love. Allow that love from your heavenly father to enter your heart. That's what you gotta receive God's love. You gotta know who God is in your own life. Another example, he says, pray to see others through the eyes of Christ, not out of your own expectations. See, I gotta see you through the eyes of Christ, not by my expectations that I put on people. Do you not know that people put expectations on you and they think that you should do some stuff, you should say some stuff, you ought to do this, you ought to do that, and you begin to lose yourself because you put expectations on them that they didn't even know you had upon them, and then when they don't fulfill it because in your mind you thought they should have done it, now you're in a place of feeling rejected because they don't give you what you thought in your mind, you didn't tell them you thought they should give it to you based on what you saw in your mind, but you never explained it to them, you never communicated. Oh, I need some 
Washington. Dealing with pride, such a dealing with arrogance, such a dealing with all this hate and malice. 
Yeah. 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 See, rejection pleases people. Ah, 
God is that. See, Saul was dealing with the spirit of rejection. It was, it was, it was, it was getting, to, getting to his spirit man. The things he was doing. So he said that the people told they wanted to sacrifice. And so Samuel told them, said, Look, it's better to obey God than have a sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. They said, I'm looking for the obedience. And he began to plead with Samuel. He said, he said Samuel, please go in, go in back to me before the people. So he can look a certain way amongst the people. He can keep the image that he had begun to build up by being a warrior and being an overcomer and being a good king to the people. Samuel said, no, uh-uh. You disobeyed him. And then he came back, he told Saul, he said, look, God is disappointing you. He said, and you know I'm going to be king over Israel. So now, Listen to this. For somebody who was from nothing to gain something. And that thing began to go to their head because when you something and you become something too quickly. That's why the Bible says you should not put a novice in leadership. Because they may be in a position where they gain the applause and the attention will go to their head and they feel as though you know, it's all about this. Says that God puts an evil spirit upon Saul. And to deal with this evil spirit, he asked him his man, he said, Do you know somebody plays a harp every time he play? So they went down, David, David came to play, every time he play, the evil spirit would depart. So he, he liked David so much, he said, I want to be my armor bearer. Yeah. Come on, tell the story, sir. Now, David has already been anointed king, but he has not been put in position. That's right, that's right. See, you gotta have the anointing before you get in the position. See, the position can't justify the anointing. The anointing has to justify the position. So, here it is. David's armor bearing, serving Saul. And then Saul is doing so, I mean, David is doing so well, he appoints David over his army. David comes and he begins to fight against the enemies of Israel. The leader of the captain of the army. And he wins the battle against the Philistine. And here, the people, the children of Israel, the ladies are singing this chant. Saul, his thousands. David, his ten thousands. Saul, his thousands. David, his ten thousands. Now hold on now. Men with egos, when women start to now downplay who you are, it strikes something in us. We feel insignificant. We feel as though there's a place of insecurity that comes in because now we're not valid between the the women. You mean the women are now saying that David is greater than I am? The Bible says that Saul began to become afraid of David. Now David never threatened Saul. But he became intimidated by his anointing. A lot of people are intimidated you by you, not by what you said to them, but by the anointing of your life. And when they're dealing with rejection, the enemy paints these pictures in their mind to become afraid of you because they're feeling rejected because they have a sense that this might be the one that's going to take my place. 
He's not caught up in the fanfare. He's not caught up in the song that the ladies have sung about him. He continues to be on his side and to serve. But this thing, Saul throws a javelin at David twice. And he misses. And another time, here it is again. The Bible says that Saul said he became afraid of him because he because I threw his javelin and jumped and I missed. <laughs> He's figuring out God's with him. And God's on the side. But Saul is going to reject it because of what everybody has said about him. What everybody has said and how he's been, his, listen, his spirit of rejection came out of his own disobedience. He set himself up to be rejected as king because Samuel had told him, you got to obey everything that the Lord has commanded you to do. Now Saul doesn't end well. Because he doesn't need the revelation to understand to get over that place of rejection. He constantly tries to come up against David and kill David. I love this because he couldn't kill David with the many opportunities that he had. Because when God has called you for such a time as this, I don't care what javelins come, I don't care what stones come, I don't care what armies come, when God has called you for such a time as this, nothing can stop and remove of God and the plan of God for your life. So David was able to fulfill, take the throne. He is. Saul was out there fighting him. Died. Missed his opportunities to repent. And to get his heart right. But today, I want us to get to a place to understand. Don't leave out of here the same way you came in. Amen. Still holding on to the disappointment. Now, before I read this last part, I'm going to give you a flip script on an area of relationship. We're talking relationship in, in, in your own personal love life. I was a, baby, we, we was 94. We started dating. Now. <laughs> I'm going to tell, tell you about me, what my experience was with rejection. Now, in relationships, now, I didn't have, I, I hung around, I had friends and everything like that. But I didn't have a lot of girlfriends, you know. You know we, I wasn't saved, so, you know, I'm trying to give you my story. <laughs> be saved, kids, I need you to be holy. That's your best. So listen, so I didn't have my girlfriends, you know. So I, you know, I, I felt rejection, you know, when I would want somebody, but they didn't want me back. They would turn me down. You know, I had a lot of turn down moments. And so that would begin to weigh on me, like, you know what, am I valuable? Am I worth anything? As a man, I'm thinking, you know, and, and men, we're going to be macho, we're going to be strong and crazy. You know, don't talk to like y'all strong and macho. You done had them, you know, when that chick turned you down, you thought she was going to be the one you was in love with, and she still said, I don't like you. <laughs> so one day, I was, I, was, I was in a bathtub, and I said, God, I said, God, I want you to. This is what I like. I said, God, I want you to send me somebody to love me for me. Now, I had to get to this revelation in my frustration of being rejected. So you got to learn how to turn the rejection into a place where you can think, I don't have a relationship with God. I said, but you know, just send me somebody. I don't know who I'm talking to because I'm just, you know, just send me somebody. But I, 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 I know I'm praying. I, I 
that all the mothers rejected me.
You can't be sure you're pushing yourself to your limits until you get turned down every now and then when you get rejected for a project, passed up for a job, or turned down by a friend. You'll know you're putting yourself out there. So in other words, you have to take a chance. If you're not taking a chance to be rejected, you're not pushing yourself to your full potential. There's opportunities you got to go beyond that comfort zone in order to get to the place where God wants to take you. If you don't get, if you don't stretch yourself beyond that place of comfort, you won't know how to grow and deal with when there's no. Listen to this uh, example. Joshua in the seventh grade had tried out for the basketball team, and he didn't make it. He was devastated. We said, "Son, just because you didn't make the team, that don't mean that that's the end of it." You have to learn how to accept no's in life. Everyone's not going to tell you yes. So as a child in the seventh grade, we have to instruct him to get over his disappointment of being rejected from being on the basketball team at the seventh grade level. And so then we said, son, try again next year. And so for a couple of days, you know, he was a little down. He pulled himself back together. We was encouraging him. And I think he tried to next year. Tried out again and didn't make it again. Oh, he think, oh, I got game. I, I mean, you know, I'm gonna do it because he was a bigger guy, and you know, so he like he could put this spot because he was gonna hold it down in that position. But that wasn't the plan that God had for him. Now he had wrestled and he was playing football. That's the avenue that God blessed him in. Basketball wasn't the avenue. That's right. So through that no, if you gain strength and confidence, because you're going to hear no again. And because he has this drive on the inside of him that he wants to succeed, and anything he do, he, he's going you know, to put his all into it. That's his attitude. That's his frame of mind. He gets that from his mom and dad, because we're we going to push through. We're going to through some mess, some stuff. we got to keep pushing, baby. There's some days that I'd have cried before I had to get here or the night before anything. I'm still gonna be a preacher where you never know anything happened. Because I got to push through. I can't come here behind encouraging you. We got to push through. Come here talking about being I'm gonna lift you up and I'm down. No, I got to get this thing together. We got to push through this. So here. He overcame that place of rejection because he had to experience no twice. And then when he got to high school, I said, you going to try for the best one? He said, no. Now he doesn't want to experience that rejection again. But he understands that that's not a part of his plan. That you don't have to do everything. And God will allow you to allow your life to be you know, planned out if you allow him to lead you in that. So you got to have that tenacity and that strength and that courage to overcome. When somebody says no, it's not the end of it. Amen. He said they treat themselves with compassion. Rather than think you're so stupid for thinking you could do that, mentally strong people treat themselves with compassion. They respond to negative self-talk with a kinder, more affirming message. See, you have to talk to yourself when the enemy trying to talk you out your blessing. Yes. You have to encourage yourself. Your prayer partner is not always going to be available. The elders are not always going to be available. The evangelist is not going to always be available. The prophet is not going to always be available. You have to be willing to encourage yourself when the enemy is trying to talk you out of some things. He said, whether you get dumped by your long-term love or blindsided by recent firing, beating yourself up will only keep you down. Speak to yourself like a trusted friend. Drown out your harsh inner critic by repeating helpful 
by repeating helpful mantras that will keep you mentally strong. You got to tell yourself, this is not the end of my life. You got to tell yourself, this is not the end of your life. God, if you made it for me this far, you're going to make it for me again. If you did it yesterday, you can do it today. If you did it yesterday, you can do it today. They refuse to let, listen to these last two, they refuse to let rejection define them. Mentally strong people don't make sweeping generalizations when they're rejected. If one company turns them down for a job, they don't declare themselves incompetent. Or if they get rejected by a single love interest, they don't conclude they're unlovable. They keep rejection in proper perspective. If I would have held on to the girl, I wrote that long love thing in the newspaper, wanted her to be my Valentine's Day, and she said no. I paid five whole dollars for an ad in the school newspaper. To put a Valentine's Day message in the chick still said no. Because I want you to know that you're fine. 
and that you can handle life and that you don't have to walk in this rejection. Is that all right? All right. Real quick, let's take up our super brother seat off. Let's take that up. Get that out of the way. I need to pray for uh, Ted and Victoria. Pray for you.